Welcome to Northgate Christian Fellowship's weekly message series. And now, here is Senior Pastor Ken Jensen. So we are wrapping up the series we called Fixer Upper, and it's all about those areas of our life that need constant maintenance or sometimes special attention, sometimes a complete upgrade or renovation. And it's kind of based on the TV series. And if you've watched any of these um, of these series, whether it's a Fixer Upper or Homes Makes It Right or any of these house flipping, any of these uh, remodeling kind of programs, you find that as you get into the project, they have all these great plans, you know, a, a whole uh, computer generated finished product. This is what it's going to look like when it's done. And then they get into the project and invariably, anybody ever watched these programs? Okay. Okay. Invariably, when they get into the project, they open up the walls and there's some kind of problem. Okay, it happens every single, either, either it's a, a wall that they wanted to be able to remove and have an open concept, but there's a plumbing pipe right smack dab in the middle. Or sometimes they open up the wall and they find there's termite damage or, or dry rot or faulty wiring, uh, something that was done originally but not done right. And so over the years, it's gotten worse and worse and worse. And, and here's the thing. When they get into that and they find the problems, they find there is always a fix, See, no matter what the problem is, they find a way to fix it and make it work. And the same thing is true with our lives. We go through life and there's some things that are like hidden behind the walls and you open up the walls and you find out, oh, that is a mess. (laughs) But there's always a fix. Through this series, we talked about foundations, starting off with Jesus saying that, that anyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a man who built on a solid rock. So that when the storms came, they were able to stand. And and foundation is so important. It's not just knowing God's word and reading God's word. It's actually putting it into practice. That's the foundation for your life. After that, we talked about families and how important it is as parents and what you build into your children's life. Uh, Last week, Pastor Larry talked about finances, which is one of those areas that is constantly in need of maintenance and and upgrade. And so today we're going to talk about failures, that stuff that's inside the walls that you don't pay much attention to, but you know that it's there. There is a fix for your failures. Whatever it might be, there is always a fix because we are all people in process. It's one of the things we say around here. And because we're all people in process, we are all going to experience failures. So there is a fix for our failures. And, and if you read through the Bible at all, if you read any of the stories of, of men and women that God used, they were always screwed up messes and needed and all kinds of fixing. That's the way God has to deal with us. But there is a fix for our failures. Today, we're going to look at one um, who, in many ways, was a success, in many ways, a failure. Uh, His name is Peter. And um, if you know the story of Peter, you're going to see um, he had some successes, he had a lot of failures, and one really big failure. And that's the one we're going to look at. And if you don't know the story, um, let me give you a little bit of background. Peter was one of the hand-picked of Jesus' disciples. He was one of that inner circle of three, and probably the one that um, Jesus poured the most into. And um, this, where we're going to pick up the story here, comes after Jesus was arrested, put on trial, um, crucified, and then rose on Easter Sunday, what we celebrate, the resurrection, every Easter. But you kind of fast forward about a week or two, and Peter has kind of given up on himself. Uh, He had been chosen by Jesus. He was going to be one of Jesus' followers and spread that message. But but because of his failure, he kind of gave up, and he went back to what he knew he could do, which was fishing. And so he and a couple of his buddies went out and started fishing again because he figured, I am washed up. There's no hope for me beyond this. And Jesus goes and meets him where he's at. 
And he provides him a breakfast for all the crew. And then he pulls him aside a little bit. And this is where we're going to pick up the story. It's in John's gospel, if you want to follow along. Chapter 21. Verse 15. This is how John tells it. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus had asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not even want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. On the heels of his greatest failure, Jesus reaches out to him. Jesus meets him where he's at. And in this conversation that he has with Peter, he starts restoring him and fixing that failure. And and in that conversation, I think there's some key things for you and me when we deal with the failures of our life. And and sometimes they're, they're things that we gave our very, very best efforts at and just came up short. Sometimes it's because of our weaknesses. Sometimes it's because of our, uh, of our own faults. Um, sometimes it's our outright rebellion against God. But whatever it is, every one of us, because we are people in process, experience failure. And there is a fix for the failure. And there's some things that you need to remember when it comes to that. So here they are. First thing is this. To fix the failures in your life, the first thing you need to remember is that your greatest failures are never greater than God's grace. Never. Now, Peter was no stranger to failure. If you read through the gospel accounts, you find he was one of those most impetuous, impulsive of all the disciples. And because of that, he took all kinds of great risks, but with those risks, always seemed to be followed with failure. In in Matthew's gospel, chapter 14, the disciples have uh, finished for the day. They're in a boat. They're going to the other side of the lake. Jesus has sent them on ahead, and a storm comes up. And in the middle of that storm, and they're all worried and nervous about it, Jesus comes out walking on the water. Peter sees him and says, Lord, if that's you, call me out to come with you. Jesus said, come. And sure enough, he jumped out of the boat, started walking on the water. And the minute he saw the wind and the waves, he sunk. Jesus had to reach him, bail him out, pull him back, get him back into the boat. Looked like a great success and a failure. There's another account a couple chapters later in in, uh, Matthew's gospel where Jesus is asking his disciples, he's kind of pulled them aside. He says, so what's the word on the street, okay? Who do people say that I am? Some say you're Elijah, some say Moses. He says, what about you? Who do you say that I am? Peter pipes right up. He says, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And Jesus says, Peter, that is not something that came from human wisdom. Your heavenly father revealed that to you. Peter's feeling pretty good about himself. In fact, then Jesus goes on. He says, you are, in fact, he had gone by the name Simon. Jesus changes his name, says, you are Peter. You are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church. That truth that you just declared, that's going to be the basis, the foundation of my church. And he's feeling really good about himself because he just like went to the head of the class. He got three gold stars on the chart. Okay. Like he's like way above everybody else. A couple sentences later, 
Jesus is talking about how this is going to happen, that he's going to be arrested, he's going to be put on trial, and he's going to be put to death. Peter's back, no, Lord, never, that would never happen to you. We won't let that happen. And you've got to cut out that kind of talk because that's kind of discouraging, and everybody's going to get really upset if you keep talking that way. Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. Now, I don't know, that's pretty harsh language coming from Jesus. But he went from hero to zero like that. You do not have in mind the things of God. Well, Lord, the Heavenly Father just revealed something to me. Now you tell me I don't have the mind of God? Yeah, yeah, well, that's a failure. But his greatest failure, his greatest failure was when he denied Jesus at his arrest. And he had actually been warned ahead of time about this. Jesus said, you are going to deny me, not once, not twice, but three times. And Peter replied this. He said, Even if all fall away on account of you, I never will. Truly, I tell you, Jesus answered, this very night before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. Peter said, no, Lord, even if I have to die, if anybody else, I will never fail you. But he did. Not once, not twice, but three times, just as he had been warned. And at this point, he's feeling pretty much like a failure. So here's the thing you need to know. Jesus doesn't abandon you in your failures. See, actually what he does is he takes the initiative. He goes and meets. He knows what's going on with Peter. All the guilt, all of the shame, the regret, all of that stuff that Peter is carrying, that feeling like I'm washed up, I'm a has-been, I've got no future. Jesus goes to him and meets him where he's at. And that's the important thing. He will meet you even in your failures. And when he does he prepares a meal for him. They come in with their load of fish. They, they get there, and Jesus on the beach has prepared a meal for them, and they eat breakfast together. And after the meal is over, Jesus pulls them aside, and it says, when they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me more than these? Now, here's what I want you to notice. Notice the question. The question that he's asked. It is not, did you learn your lesson? Do you know how badly you screwed up this time? I even warned you ahead of time, and you still went ahead and did it. I hope you figured this stuff out, Peter, because I can't have any use for you if you just keep going off the handle like that. And say any of those things. The question that he asks is a relationship question, and that's grace. Because see, grace is always about relationship. And so he asks him the question, do you truly love me more than these? What you need to understand is it's for screw-ups like Peter and me and you that Jesus went to the cross. That's why he went to the cross. That's why he paid that price on the cross for us. And and grace is the forgiveness for our failures. If um, I don't know how many of you are children of the 60s. I grew up in the 60s pretty much. Um, Anybody ever seen one of these before? Okay, yeah. This is like a 60s version of the iPad. The analog version, okay? It's, it's really cool. You get two dials. One moves the thing up and down, the other back and forth. And if you're really good, um, you can make a box. Uh, if you're exceptionally good, you can actually make it go at an angle. But don't ever try to make a circle because that's, like that's a lost cause, okay? But here's the thing about Etch-a-Sketches. When you mess up, you just turn it over, you give it a shake, and you start all over with a clean slate. That's grace. 
It's a picture of grace. However you failed, wherever you failed, whenever you failed, grace always takes us where we're at, gives it a shake, and gives us a clean slate. Your greatest failures will never be greater than God's grace. Never. And you need to remember that. Second thing you need to remember is who you are is not defined by what you've done. And that's really, really important because I think one of the most difficult aspects of dealing with a failure is forgiving ourselves. I mean, it's one thing to say, God has forgiven me, Christ has forgiven me. It's a whole other thing to start forgiving myself. And so what we do is we go through the rest of our lives with our baggage. And, and on that baggage, there's a luggage tag. There's a label, okay? And we've all got them. It's that baggage that we carry with us, the baggage of our failures. And, and what happens is we start defining ourselves by that baggage, by that luggage tag. And whatever that might say, that becomes our identity. And we let what we've done become who we are. And that simply is not the case. And the trouble is, sometimes we put those labels on ourselves. Sometimes other people put labels on us. But, but that's the thing. See, our world is really good at creating labels. I mean, just think about historical figures. You know, how many historical figures come with a label? Like, just, you know, in fact, I'll just say a few of them. You fill in the blank, okay? Because you know the labels. Attila the Hun. Yeah. Billy the? Yeah. Conan the? Late night talk show host. No. Conan the barbarian. Yeah, that's right. Um, Buffy the? See, you know these labels. Winnie the? I don't know about that one. I never understood that one. But yeah, those are the labels. And we all have them. You've got labels that people have put on you. You've got labels you put on yourself. Let me ask you, what's the label that you've allowed to become your identity? What's the failure that you've allowed to become a label on your life? Gossip, hothead, procrastinator, unreliable, addict, adulterer, drunkard. This could go on and on and on. And what happens is that label becomes our identity so much so that when we have the opportunity to try something new or take a new step of faith, it becomes the thing that holds us back. That fear of failure, because we failed once before, we have in the back of our mind, if we ever think about trying something again, it's like, oh, who do you think you are? You're just a miserable failure. You tried that. You tried this. You failed at everything. Here's the thing you need to understand. Failure is an event. It is never a person. Never a person. And God can redeem your failures. Now, there is a process there is a process, and, and Jesus has to walk Peter through that process. So he does this. He says to him, Peter, do you love me? He asks the relationship question. That's a question of grace. And he gives Peter the chance to respond, Lord, you know I love you. He asks him a second time, Lord, you know that I love you. And it says then in verse 17, a third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? It says Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? Now, why does Jesus do that? Is he rubbing it in? Is he just trying to push his face down in the mud and just remind him of what a miserable failure he is? No. What he's doing is he's giving Peter the opportunity for every time that he had denied Jesus, 
he gets the opportunity to affirm his love for him. And that's why, that's why it says he was, was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time. He knows what Jesus is getting at. But here's the thing about grace. Grace doesn't deny our failures, doesn't excuse them or sweep them under the rug. Grace gives us the opportunity to face our failures and find the forgiveness. And that's what Jesus is doing with Peter. He's given him the opportunity to affirm what he had denied earlier. Because grace is more than just forgiveness. Grace is really about changing our identity. The Apostle Paul, another one of the apostles, who had his share of failures. He had spent a good part of his life persecuting Christians until God knocked him off his high horse, literally. And he wrote this to the Corinthian church. Anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. And all of this is a gift from God. That's grace. It's not something that we earn or deserve. It's not something that we try to make up for. It's simply something that God gives as a gift. It is all a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. That's what Jesus is doing with Peter. He's bringing him back to himself. They need to remember, your greatest failures are never greater than God's grace. And who you are is never going to be defined by what you've done. And the third thing you need to remember is, while you can't change your past, Christ can and will change your future. For every denial, Jesus gives Peter the opportunity to affirm his love for him. But then he does something else. He also affirms Peter back with the calling that he had put on his life three years previously. See, did you notice that exchange? Peter, do you love me? Lord, you know I love you. Feed my sheep. Peter, do you really love me? Lord, you know I love you. Take care of my lambs. Peter, do you love me? Lord, you know everything. You know I love you. Feed my sheep. Now, some commentators make a lot of distinction between all of those different sheep, lambs, sheep, um, can't care for, feed, all of these other things. I don't think that's really the point. I think the point of all of this exchange is Jesus is saying in no uncertain terms, whatever you else might think, you are not a failure. You are not a washed up, has been, damaged goods, no future. You still have a call on your life. You still have something that I want you to do. He's reminding him of the call that I gave you three years ago is still in play today. This episode doesn't change anything. And I think this brash, impulsive judgmental sometimes Peter needed some of that failure because it changed him and he became humble and much more compassionate and understanding of others a number of weeks ago I shared with you some of my past experiences and and um one ministry experience in particular that was just devastating to me and I spent a number of years outside of pastoral ministry just pounding nails as a carpenter because I was just done but I had the opportunity to get back into ministry. And, and, and as much as I hated that time and what it did to me, what it did also does it changed who I am as a pastor, as a leader, as a husband, as a father, as a grandfather now. As miserable as that experience was, it was necessary to change what God wanted to change in me. 
God can redeem your greatest failures. And he can actually make them your greatest asset. And it's not all sunshine and roses, and it's not all happily ever after. In fact, he's very realistic with them. He says to him in verse 18, When you were young, you were able to do as you liked. But when you're old, others will direct you and take you where you don't want to go. Then Jesus told him, follow me. And those are the two key words. Because they're, they're about future. They're about hope. Because whatever the past, the past is done. You can't change it. You can't go back and undo it. Just from here on, follow me. Follow me. See, those are the, those are the two words that Christ has for every one of us. Whatever your past, whatever your failures, whatever your mistakes, whatever label that you're carrying, he says, let that go and just follow me. Grace is what gives us the ability to move forward. The Apostle Paul, again, this time he wrote to the Philippian church, this one thing I do, forgetting what is behind, straining towards what is ahead, I press on to the goal to win the prize to which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. So however you failed, whenever you failed, whatever baggage you're carrying, whatever label that you've put on your life, here's the answer. Here's the fix. You run to grace. Because God's grace is the one safe place that you can take your failures. Would you bow your heads with me? So every week as we draw this time together to a close, I I give an opportunity for reflection. And here's a question I want you to just consider for yourself. What is it that's holding you back? What failure, what label, what uh, baggage are you carrying that makes you feel like you can't move forward? What's the label that you've made your own identity now? Today, I'm going to invite you to let it go. God's grace has paid the price. It's what Christ did on the cross so that you could be not just forgiven, but restored and renewed and given a hope and a future. So what is the label? What is the failure? What is the thing that keeps you from moving forward? What is the fear of failure maybe that keeps you from moving forward because you've tried something and you failed at it and you go, I don't want to ever do that again and I, I just let it go. Let God's grace wash over you. Let it embrace you. Let him renew you. If he's forgiven you, who are you to keep holding it on? And if you're here today, maybe, maybe you've made a decision to follow Christ years and years and years ago, but there's, there's some baggage there. There's a label. There's, a, there's something that's keeping you from moving forward. I would love to pray for you today as we close that you'd be able to let that go and just rest fully in his grace. And if there's some label, some baggage, some fear that you're struggling with right now that you just need to let go, and I could pray for you this morning, would you just let me know by raising your hand? Just raise it, hold it up for a moment. And when you do, look up and catch my eye because I want you to know I'm praying with you and for you this morning. Yeah, 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 yes.
Now, maybe you're here, and maybe you don't know the grace of God because you've never taken a first step of faith. Here's what you need to know. You have a God who loves you more than you can possibly imagine, so much so he gave his one and only son who gave his life on a cross so that you could be forgiven and restored and redeemed. And you could take a first step of faith today. And you don't have to know all the ins and outs of it. All you got to be able to do is what Peter did. Face up to your failure, face up to your sin, admit it to him and let him forgive you. And then follow. And if you've never done that before today, it's a first step of faith. Same thing I'm going to ask you. Would you just raise your hand, hold it up for a moment and look up and catch my eye because I want you to know I'm going to lead you in a prayer and pray for you as we close. Is there anybody? All right. All right. So whether it's a first-time decision or a new step of faith, the prayer is essentially the same. I encourage you to make this your prayer. Lord, here we are. Our faults, our failures, our sin. And we know we, we can't go back and undo it, and we carry that baggage with us and the labels that come with it. And it's time to let them go. And whether it's a first-time decision or, or a new step in a new direction, God, I pray that you would meet us where we're at and remind us of your grace, that it's greater than any failure. Remind us, Lord, that that failure does not define who we are and that you have a future for us as we put our faith and our trust in you. So, Lord, take us as we are. Let your mercy and grace forgive and restore. Teach us now to follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message. We trust that you'll join us again soon for another uplifting message from Northgate Christian Fellowship located in Benicia, California. Amen.